What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Echoes of Elm, the podcast where we will be taking a lot of deep dives into the deep Elm music scene of Dallas, Texas, from 1990 to present day. I'm your host, Gary Belisle. Our second guest is none other than Steve Page from Squeegee and Rivet Head. Steve has been a part of this scene for decades. His band, Rivet Head, is 11 albums deep into their discography at the time of this recording. Over the years, the band has racked up thousands of followers on social media and has had tons of exposure on national, satellite, and internet radio stations, as well as game time play by professional sports teams. He's also known for his charity work with the 501st and Rebel Legion, who have done work with the Make-A-Wish and Peter Mayhew Foundations, as well as many others. When it comes to describing Rivethead sound, I think their official website, rivetheadonline.com, said it best, describing it as, if you took the Blade Runner, Tron, and Mortal Kombat soundtracks and threw them in a blender with Korn, Pantera, Metallica, and Fear Factory, definitely kindred spirits with Isla Belial. And we're glad to have him here. So let's get straight to the interview. Can you hear me? Cool. Absolutely. <laughs> sweet, sweet. Welcome, man. Hey, thank you very much for having me. I went ahead and I, I noticed you were joining, so I just went ahead and hit record so we can just start nice. rolling. Yeah. Absolutely. Sorry, I was playing around with the cameras and I was I, I forgot I have an old camera set up on the side over here that I've got to set up to record like old eight millimeter stuff and mini DVs and they were trying to connect to that, but it's not turned on. I'm like, I'm good because it'd be filming the shelf. Nice, <laughs> nice and clear, man. Man, it's good cool. to see you. It's been a long time, man. Me too, brother. Yeah, yeah. I was just checking out a lot of your videos and going through and looking at a lot of Boulder stuff, and uh, um, I didn't realize you did a view to a kill. Uh, yeah, I hadn't checked that out yet, and man, that is really cool. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. We, man, we did that. I mean, it was, you know, this pandemic thing happened and we were doing everything we could to, to be smart and not get stuck in the middle of it. And we still wanted to do music and release uh, new videos. And you can see we're running around the uh, reunion tower with our, you know, COVID masks on and stuff. So. Yeah. yeah. No, it looks great. Your videos look Thanks. amazing. And the production, you, production quality just looks incredible on them. They look great. Um, I wanted to start out, um, I like to start out asking everybody about like what their earliest memory of Deep Elm is, like, you know, what your, yeah. you remember kind of like the first time you ever went down there, you know, and kind of saw a band and, you know, yeah. Yeah, man, yeah. I'm trying to think of the first time I ever went down that way. I, I know that, you know, it was, um, it was much more punk rock back then. And there was, uh, there were metal heads, but most of the metal clubs were outside of Deep Elm. So, um there wasn't really alternative yet. There was a very, you know, strong punk scene. And um, there was a lot of skinheads that were fighting each other. And I didn't know which ones were which. And yeah, I was just trying to go down there and enjoy shows. Probably the first time down there must have been, man, something like a Fugazi show or Social Distortion or something, you know? Fugazi. Yeah, yeah cool. my, buddies, my buddies were all punk rock. So I was like the metal kid hanging out with the punk. So I got to see and enjoy all of that so that was really cool right right when did uh so you started out punk when did the uh industrial thing click in for you was it like uh, ministry or fear factory one of those well, bands before, years before that doctor who doctor who 
Doctor wow. the TV show. So yeah, to me, to, yeah, to me, the, the term industrial, I didn't hear it until I heard ministry. But okay. from, I had a, uh, a, a friend who had sold me a keyboard and I had a boss Dr. Rhythm drum machine and I had a four track and I would record keyboard and drum bits and then play guitar on top of it. And that's kind of what you would call industrial today. But to me, it was like kind of sci-fi rock. And I would play things like the Darth Vader theme song, the Imperial March, and I would play the Doctor Who theme song and things like that. And that, that was kind of like, man, I really want to do stuff like this. And then my friend said, I've heard your tapes. You should listen to ministry. And they just put out um, the mind is a terrible thing to taste. And I'm like, that's it. That's it. That's, that's what I've been doing. Maybe it was a bit faster, right. a bit heavier, a bit more frantic, but it was, it was amazing when I heard it and I was glued. Absolutely. And I've loved it ever since. I think it was uh, the vinyl of Jesus Built My Hot Rod that uh, one of my friends, his uncle, you know, the metal uncle, <laughs> yeah. you know, he had uh, uh, Jesus Built My Hot Rod and showed that to us. And I was only like in third or fourth grade at the time. I remember being mm -hmm. completely floored by that. You know, I, you know, I had already heard Iron Maiden and, you know, Metallica and stuff like that. But this had a completely yeah. different kind of edge to it, a machine-like quality that, that is, and it's still in my music today, the stuff that Absolutely. I do. And yeah, I, I know it's a big part of what you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that that crazy using machines as samples, but and then you put Mike Scotia as a guitar player on top of it. And Mike was a robot. I mean, that guy would just play faster than anything. I mean, he he's flight of the bumblebee, brrr, you know, all over the place. And so those two, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was amazing to watch. I, I saw Rigor Mortis open for Slayer. And I was probably like 10th row at the old, was it Arcadia in Dallas? And I'm watching him play and he would just, he was amazing then. And then when I heard him with ministry, I was like, this is just the most, the most amazing marriage of, of music where you can take these crazy samples and this just guitar play, like nothing I've heard before play together. It was just mind bogglingly cool. That's awesome. Um, so. I wanted to also talk about squeegee a little bit, kind of like the yeah. origin of that. And uh, because I remember me and my buddy Eric uh, listened to Lex and Terry. <laughs> and when we were still kids and too young to even go down to Deep Ellum or anything. Mm -hmm. We knew about you guys back then before I even met you with the Samsara guys. I was yeah. already aware of you from squeegee. I thought maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so <clears> squeegee <throat> started in, I guess, about 92, 93. And we were playing clubs like the basement and Dallas city limits and, and the dirty dogs rock room and you name it on the rocks. We, we played around town, um, kind of got our names for ourselves, but like every other band, you struggle a bit. Some, it, it was different then though. You could play on a Monday night in Dallas at a metal bar and it'd be packed because they had drink specials. And it, here's the, here's the main key. The pretty girls liked the hair bands, right? And the yeah. hair bands were everywhere. So there's pretty girls at every one of the rock clubs. Therefore, all the dudes were there too. It was a great time for that. I find it a little frustrating because that wasn't really my, like I, I went through the Cinderella and I'd still like bands like Cinderella. I think they're fantastic. And, and like, mm. you know, Poison was really big, but then there was a lot of more glam things I didn't really care for, that they weren't glam enough already. But um, the scene then was amazing because you could play on a, like I said, a Monday night at nine o'clock and there's, you know, 200 people, 300 people in the place. And you could tell if <laughs> you could tell if you were good because like the basement had a back bar and if you didn't like you, they'd go to that. Otherwise they'd hang out and watch you. So we always had these kind of confused people watching us. Like 
what's going on? Because we kind of went groove, not quite heavy like Pantera, but the beginning of Squeegee was very kind of groove oriented and that mm -hmm. same big chuggy chuggy riffs and stuff. And then eventually we added the keyboards, but it was a fun time. And we, we played a lot of shows that were great, a lot of shows that were not. That's kind of what happens with music. And then um, one Saturday morning, um, if, you, if, you, if you remember back, um, Howard Stern was on the radio. He was really big here. It was he was really big everywhere. And then they took him off. And when they took him off, they brought Lex and Terry on. And a lot of people were. This is all kind of happening at the same time. A lot of people were kind of mad about losing uh, Howard Stern. And then Lex and Terry comes on, and I'm like, this is really good. I, I enjoyed the show. And they were going to be at a uh, car stereo installation place on a Saturday morning at like seven o'clock. And I remember telling the guys, I'm going out on Saturday at 7 a.m join me we're gonna go meet these radio guys and they went no way i'm not getting up at 7 a.m it's a it's a waste of time kind of thing and i went on really? my own <laughs> i went up and i go dude i hear you guys talking about intro music for your show all the time i said here's our first album and it's full of big chuggy riffs that you guys can use and uh, feel free to use it abuse it and then i made the joke that also doubles as a frisbee on a coaster as you do trying to you know, not sound like you're too egotistical and, and have fun burning it on the radio on Monday. And I literally got out of the shower Monday morning and I heard our song playing. <clears throat> I, and I'm like, oh my God, you know, we, yeah, we'd gotten little bits and pieces, but all of a sudden we were a staple. We were on every day, several times a day on a nationally syndicated radio show. And I mean, we're still on, we're still on it. I mean, that's, that's probably 96 or something at that point. Yeah. So we've been on almost 20 or 30 years with them now. It's crazy. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, they, they still play our stuff. 7 a.m., huh? The 7 a.m. Yeah. thing is a deal breaker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's rock and roll, right? No one wants to get up that early. But, I mean, right. I didn't want to get up that early back then either. Yeah. <laughs> no, especially on yeah. a weekend. Yeah, and their show now is from 5 till 9 in the morning. So I still, every few months, I'll go on and hang out, and they'll play a yeah. new video or a new song. That is so cool, man. I love that Amazing. picture of you wearing the uh, Riot Squad shirt and you're like yeah. right on the keyboard and you've got yeah. the BC Rich and everything. That, that's a rad picture, man. Thank you. That was Texas Billiards. So that, that venue oh, is okay. now, what is it called? It's in the Arlington area, like Arlington Mall over there. I haven't been in since. They they changed it, but it was it was an awesome place. That show, we had inflatable dinosaurs on stage, like, mm -hmm. like big five to six foot inflatable dinosaurs. I and mean, then we kicked them into the crowd. And it started this big mosh pit with people with inflatable dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> That's freaking great. That's um, funny. BC Rich, I mentioned the BC Rich thing a minute ago. Um, mm -hmm. How long have you been with them? Uh, Since around 95 or 96, something like that. So wow. uh, lo local Dallas band named Absu um, were with BC. And Mike mm -hmm. Kelly, the guitar player, was a buddy of ours. And he was like, dude, I need to get you guys in contact with them. And he did. He hooked us up, made the phone call. We called them up. And, and when we called them, they were singing one of our songs back to us. So they'd listened. And we're like, whoa, this is cool. Nice. Yeah. And they said, well, we'll endorse you. You know, it's not a free ride. You know, we weren't, we weren't Poison or Motley Crue. You weren't going to have the uh, squeegee shot down the camera with 100 guitars. But these, these things that would normally cost four or $5,000, we could get for like 1500 basically. And um, we, wow. Derek got like two like two beautiful custom basses. I got a custom guitar. We were with them for a while. Then um, um, Bernie passed away. Junior took over his son. And then Junior passed and the company sold. And then it got bought and sold and bought. And we've been endorsed like three or four times now because somebody else keeps taking it over. And we have to go, hey, uh, we're the little guy on the team, but we'd love to jump back on the bandwagon if we can. And they're like, yeah, come right. on. 
Yeah, so they have. And um, most recently, they've been bought out uh, again, and now it's owned by a, name, a guy named uh, Bill Xavier. He's one of the owners. I think the guitar player Zoltan from uh, Five Finger Death Punch is one of the owners, and there's some other people. It's all kind of quiet, but the instruments they're putting out now are as good as, if not better, than the ones that we got when we first started you know, getting the handcrafted guitars from them. They are fantastic. There's no, there's no little cheapy models anymore. They are really just incredible. I can tell by looking at them. I love that white V that has all the oh. crazy cuts in it, all the different oh, points. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the Draco. <laughs> what is that again? It's called a Draco. Draco. Interesting. Yeah, like, like the dragon. So that was a weird story because somebody who, I guess he was an artist or something, he designed that and licensed it to BC. So BC made them. And then at some point they were like, we're not making enough money off of these things. So they stopped making them. And they had done some custom shop jobs and this guy gets paid every time they put one out and now they're collector's items and basically they've said we're, we're not going to go back to it because it's not profitable for us to make this guitar and have to pay this guy royalties so i've got two of them but uh, and i could easily turn around and sell one for about two grand on ebay right now if i if i really wanted to and i'm like no i can't do it but um some of the custom shop jobs you probably sell for five or ten grand wow they look yes. amazing on stage. Thank like you, it thank was you. so great in the stage lighting and everything. Yeah. Thank you. BC Rich is, yeah. I had a, uh, one of my first guitars when I was a, a teenager, still probably 15 was a red warlock that nice. my mom had found me at a pawn shop somewhere. You know, nice. it was, uh, I loved it. You know, I played that thing all the time. Yeah. BC rich. Um, yeah. There are people who love pointy guitars and there are people who don't. I am certainly on the, I, man, I, I cut my teeth, you know, watching Motley Crue and Wasp and all the bands, right. Slayer. And so I've always been a fan. You mentioned, you name dropped Cinderella. I freaking loved yeah. uh, Cinderella, Tom Kiefer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, amazing band. That dude's still got pipes, man. He is incredible. And his, I think he's got like three octaves of range or something. And if you ever get the chance to meet him, he'll always wear gloves because he doesn't want to catch a cold from somebody and not be able to sing the next night, which is total pro right. move. Um, and my buddy was taken for for, the, for Fred for a little while, their drummer, and uh, said all of them are super, super cool. Cool. Yeah, he. I heard that he did like some, had some major work done to his throat. I guess mm -hmm. like back, maybe like in 2019 or something, he really... He really put a lot of work in and did a lot, you know, put some big effort into fixing his voice. Because I know he yeah. had some trouble for a while there. But he's an amazing vocalist. I've always loved Cinderella. Yeah. Yeah, if you great. ever get a chance. Yeah, for anybody listening or watching, if you ever get a chance to go out and catch Tom in any of his bands, man, you can close your eyes and you're right back in 1980, whatever that was, when they first came out. <laughs> They're incredible. I did. Yeah, I saw Cinderella with Poison when both bands were baby bands. And just what a great show to see. Wow. Yeah, small Cheapers. venue again. <laughs> my first show, I missed all that because my first show when I was 13 was Metallica, Suicidal Tendencies, and Candlebox wow. at the Coca-Cola Starplex. Yeah. Uh, uh, summer of 94. My so goodness. it was like kind of at the very end, one of the last things they ever did for the Black Album. You know, wow. it was right before they cut their hair and did load and reload and all that, you know, <laughs> uh, which Not I love. Those are great albums. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Metallica has always been period. great with riffs. Yeah, my, my first show was Genesis. Genesis. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Never got <laughs> to see them. Phil, Phil's yeah. amazing, man. I mean, the whole band is. Those guys are like the kind of the, the godfathers of prog rock going. I mean, if you think about what they do and go back and listen, those simple songs aren't simple at all. 
I did go back and do a deep dive into their earlier work when like Peter mm -hmm. Gabriel was still in the band, especially once yeah. I really got more into Prague and I got older and I found some of that older stuff like nursery crime and yeah, you know, all that stuff. <sighs> yeah. Amazing, amazing stuff. There's some yeah. right talent in bands up until Nirvana ruined it. I'm joking. I'm totally joking. I love Nirvana as well. <laughs> Three quarters. Let's go. I was in a bleach the other day. Uh, nice. Negative creep. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. Bleach is so heavy. Yeah, that's a heavy yeah, record. Yeah. Yeah. Good they stuff. Did some cool stuff. Yeah, Kurt. Kurt had an ear for it, man. He had a knack for writing some great stuff. What about when Fear Factory did school? Man, that was wild, right? Yeah. Like heavy cover. Fear, that Fear yeah anything fear factory does is badass i mean they do some great covers too the gary newman yeah. stuff and they co covered killing joke and i mean it's always killer yeah when they did cars that was that was what a killer track um yeah. going into rivet head uh mm -hmm. y'all started up like right around the time that i joined samsara i think which was like around 2002 right that's it squeegee ended and it was weeks and then all of a sudden we were rivet head <laughs> So the drummer, Rivethead, that I knew back then, the original Rivethead drummer, he was in Squeegee? Um, Mickey, was the, Mickey was Squeegee's drummer throughout. Um, when okay. we started Rivethead, it was just me and Mickey at the very beginning. And then we, we hired Lodi, who had moved down from Amarillo to Dallas, to, and uh, he became our bass player. So um, Mickey was the first drummer. And then after two or three years, Mark had joined. So um, Mark was the second drummer. So... Uh, Mickey was the 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 kind of the first dude. Mark was with us for quite a long time, probably the longest longest term drummer we've had. And then we've had a few since. <laughs> you know, the turnover. That's that's music. Right. I was uh so what was y'all's first release? Was that phase phase three? Is that what it was called? Yeah. Yeah, so phase three was the kind of compilation. We'd gone and done demos. So we were like, let's let's not throw down four grand and do an album. Let's do demos instead. That way we'd kind of shop ourselves and get gigs, kind of see what we can do. So phase three was the combination of three different recording sessions. We're like, what do we call it? Phase three. There we go. No, it's cool. It reminded me of like Tony Stark or something whenever I heard that. So I nice. like it. Nice. Yeah. It started off all quiet and then it came out like a jackhammer. We'd give people CDs and we walked around Deep Ellum just with like backpacks full of promos to give away. And that's what you do back in the day. Nowadays you can't do it because no one has a CD player. And if you give you if you give them a thumb drive, you know they're gonna they're gonna expect you're giving them a virus or something. So no one wants that removable media either. And if you give them download cards, it won't make it home. I mean, it's just <laughs> I don't even know what you do anymore. You just how do you tell do friends. it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. TikTok, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, TikTok. Get get a, a silly video, and the next thing you know, it's blown up. <laughs> so around the time y'all did Phase Three and all that, and y'all were playing with us, y'all that was when y'all were doing like the Mortal Kombat, uh, which uh, I always mention to you because I love that so much. That was one of my favorite. <laughs> was the y'all did the Mortal Kombat song? You made it so heavy. You know that driving Thank riff. I used to love the yeah. way y'all that out so great yeah that, that soundtrack was killer we were like let's do a let's do a collaboration let's or a compilation let's take some of the bits from that whole album or the whole movie and put it together and then i had a friend do like you know raiden Liu kang you know all that kind of stuff for us we sampled it we used it we called it Port portal wombat was the name of the cover and um portal and wombat it, okay yeah 
it was a leftover from squeegee believe it or not we did it with with squeegee we did the darth vader theme song and we did the mortal kombat song and then those bled over into rivet head and uh with rivet head we redid the darth vader theme song but we've not redone uh portal wombat and somebody asked for it a while back i'm like we probably need to revisit this oh definitely <laughs> please do because that would be mm -hmm. so yeah cool um what came after phase three, like chronologically? I wanted to kind of move up and kind of yeah. on, touch on each thing that y'all worked on, if that's cool. Absolutely. So SPR Factor was next. And SPR Factor was Mark's debut with us. He was on drums. And I think by then we'd added Kevin on guitar. I think they came at the same time. Those guys had moved down from Amarillo years ago together. And we were always in projects together. And when Mark came in to play drums, he was like, you know, we should add a second guitar player. And I'm like, yeah, okay. We've been talking about it for a while. We just hadn't done it. And we, so we brought Kevin in and Kevin rolled in with a you know brand new BC Warlock and a Mesa Boogie triple rack stack. And we're like, okay, let's see what you got. And then he, instead of playing the one song he expects somebody to do, he played the whole album. We're like, okay, well, you're in. <laughs> so that's that. And uh, we recorded SBR Factor in Deep Ellum. It was called Deep Ellum Studios. And um, Craig, what was Craig's last name? I'll have to think of it. But he recorded the, a demo for us in one day, basically. We did, uh, I guess, three or four songs, whatever it was. And so that became the next kind of EP, if you will. Wait a minute, Craig. Was he right down there on, like, Commerce Street? Yeah, uh, yeah. And he had a big, like, gated entryway that you yes. had to go through? That's okay, the that's where Samsara recorded their first EP, the Bloom EP. The nice. one that had up against and focus the race and all that, you know, the first fourth yeah. song they did was with Craig. And I love that one. He did such a good job with them. I He's always heard the Samsara stuff that he did. Craig did with them that I wasn't on because I never got to record with Craig, but they did before I was in the band. And I, I always loved the way he made them sound. So, yeah, I, yeah. I recognize that name immediately as soon as you brought that up. Yeah, Craig was Absolutely. great. He's a great dude. And as a matter of fact, on our first thing that we recorded, uh, one or two, or maybe even three songs on phase three, uh, were recorded by a gay, a guy, a guy, not a gay. It's Pride Month. Hey, uh, a guy named Joe Sidoti. And um, he had worked with Papa Roach. So even though we had done demos, it was like he, this, we had this really good sound that came out of that. And I think Craig, similarly, he, um, and it might have been you guys that told us to go to him, to be honest. Um, because at some point we were neighbors for I don't know how many years uh, over at Universal Rehearsal, you know, the old studio. So um, Universal, yeah. 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 Which uh, is no longer there now. It's gone, uh, unfortunately. So hopefully Vince gets some, a new building sometime soon. Like so many things from back then, gone now. Curtain yeah. Club, yeah. <sighs> yeah, Curtain, that's a really tough Curtain one. Club so much, yeah. Yeah, that's a staple. And remember, you could go down on a Sunday at Curtain as well, and it was always packed. Yeah, imagine that every metal club was like that. There was a there was a point where the Eagle was down there supporting every Sunday. You'd go in on a Sunday night, and it was just one or two local or three local bands were playing, and you know the guys from Drowning Pool would be in there. Sometimes you get Vinny or Dime coming in to say hello, and it was just a who's who, and who, it didn't matter who's not. Everybody was having a good time. Absolutely, I've got some footage of my first band Outlet where uh, Dave from Drowning Pool he just walked up on stage one night and started my our singer Justin he just handed him the mic was like here you go and Dave just started <laughs> singing and we just played an extended version of that song and just kept going because he was just making lyrics up and we're like looked at each other like okay let's just keep going Dave was That's great why they like called that. Him stage yeah walk up on stage grab the mic and take over yeah That's I miss that guy. He's uh, he's definitely one of the one of the good ones, man. I mean, uh, as as like I, 
we kept running into each other and the other guys too in, in drowning pool we we saw them kind of on their it was a quick rise really i mean for those of on the outside looking in you know it was like they were doing really well the next thing you know they're on Ozfest. i mean to us it seemed that quick and i remember asking them they they just shot bodies i remember they were back in dallas and were, they were like yeah we just shot a video no big deal <laughs> it's just it's just bodies no big deal and then they were on Ozfest, and dave had taken a break and flown home to see his girlfriend and i saw him hanging out on greenville avenue and we're at a very small bar there called harder bar and uh, he was hanging out with his girlfriend kind of dancing around and he's like hey man how you doing you know said hello and asked me how squeegee was doing before i could even ask him how the tour is going on Ozfest, you know and um uh, that was the last time i saw him he, he passed away the next week and he was the one of the most humble dudes you could ever meet and um yeah the world the world needs more people like him and it's a damn shame that uh, we didn't get more more of him i missed i miss him and daryl so much yeah i miss yeah. daryl i think about daryl all the time um yeah. and i know that daryl had a nickname for dave uh stage right yes. dave, dave, stage dave williams. williams yeah mm -hmm. which perfectly fit him because yeah that's what he did that night when we were playing he just kind of walked up and became the stage you know <laughs> yeah i mean that dude could get up and sing like sebastian bach and then go metal and go mellow mellow or metal or anything everything in between so it's very adaptable to like different yep. styles and stuff yeah yep yeah i miss those dudes mm -hmm. um and correction to what i said a minute ago i did go record with craig when when i did yep. join sara we went and did the second one anovo we did a couple songs with him but nice. i still preferred the stuff they did with him before I was in the band for some reason. There was something <laughs> about that first little four song that they did before I was in the band that just, mm -hmm. I don't know, there was some kind of magic on that thing. It just sounded special. Uh, I still listen to that all the time. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it's that rawness, the, the uh, you know, under under polished. Like I had a buddy even last night telling me he prefers us live over the, the some of the recorded stuff we do. And, I'm, I'm, and I get where he's coming from because some people like the loud in your face aggressive raw and some people want to hear it where it's been produced you know and, and there's no right or wrong um obviously when you do get things produced you're expecting um treatment on parts here and there that you just can't replicate live you know like a, a small bit of vocal that gets flanged here on a little pronunciation then it kicks back into normal you can't do that light well you can but it's kind of cheating and then who knows if it's pre-recorded so <laughs> right Backing tracks can be a tricky thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can, you, that's the thing. Uh, use them properly, not to replace what you're doing, but to accentuate. So like for bands, you know, like the stuff we've done and, and still do, you know, it's keyboard stuff that we haven't got a keyboard player playing live, but um, you certainly don't want it coming in and playing my guitar solo for me or something. I mean, I just, it's terrible. Yeah. That'd be too weird. Yeah. Yeah. That'd but I see it. I, I see it happen. It does not with us, but I see it. So coming up uh, chronologically on the album, somewhere next, y'all did some covers, right? Didn't y'all do one of those uh, under the covers? Or I know there was one that uh, zombies, uh, our zombies ate your songs. Yeah. I love that title. Yeah, thank so you. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So we were we were recording an album, and and uh, while while we were playing together, we had a, a cover we did of "Rock Your Body" from Justin Timberlake. And we had had Tracy uh, come in. Tracy was with Laura's band, um, uh, Faded Grace. I had to think of the name for a second. And she had come in and sang the parts we'd sampled her. And we're like, man, Justin Timberlake just came out with uh, uh, Sexy back. 
and it's brand new. And I'm like, dude, we have to make this metal. This will be so cool. It's so poppy, but it'd be so cool with big guitar. And um, we did it, but we said, okay, we're going to record like a 10 or 13 song album, whatever it was. And we're going to record a bunch of covers at the same time. So in the same session or the same week, like a 40 hour block, we did a full album and a cover album. And then we released them one after the other. So that was the self-titled Rivet Head, Rivet Head album. And the cover album was uh, called uh, All Your Covers Belong to Us, which was a takeoff of the old All Your Bass Are Belong to Us, which I wanted to call it All Your Covers Are Belong to Us, but the band said no one's going to get it. And I'm like, no, they're all going to get it, but I got outvoted. So it was All Your Covers Belong to Us. Outvoted. Man. Yeah. No, it's still <laughs> title, though, either way. Yeah. Yeah, it works. But so we, yeah, so we did Sexy Back. We did Pink Floyd Run Like Hell, Britney Spears Toxic, um, Hella Good from No Doubt. And there's maybe one more I can't think of at the moment. And um, that was, I guess, maybe six months or so apart we released them and had, you know, we could double our, our promotion because two CD parties to do. And so that was a lot of fun. Dude, I listened to Run Like Hell earlier. I actually watched the video on YouTube, mm -hmm. which, by the way, 56K on youtube not bad. yeah not bad not bad yeah a lot of people clearly <laughs> agree with me that, that is a killer killer cover um and i guess it was your bassist right that was doing some of those yep. vocals there and man yep, his Derek. brain wow yeah okay Derek. yeah, yeah. man that yeah, guy i was blown away i didn't realize he had pipes like that yeah oh yeah he was squeegee singer so Derek. Derek um was our front man for years and it was when he oh, had decided okay. to take yeah, he, he took a break. So when he took a break, we're like, well, hang on a minute. We can't just keep doing squeegee because it's going to sound like someone's, you know, not doing Derek justice. I, I love Derek to bits. I love his voice. I love his playing. But I, I didn't want to be the guy that was trying to copy him. And look, I'm not supposed to be the singer now. Uh, we did auditions and we had songs and people came in. And the songs, when they, I said, either sing the lyrics we have and here's a demo of me doing it or do your own thing and either they came in and just totally missed it by a mile and it was either like ah, the whole time or it just sounded like somebody was making fun of me and i'm like i didn't like it so i ended up keeping the gig and we're still trying to find the right guy so if you know anybody uh send them around and um, <laughs> no but so okay so um yeah so uh derek has, he does have an incredible range especially on that song because there's the first part which is you know the kind of low part and then it's the the high response and it's man i, I still can't hit some of those notes I'll, I'll try live sometimes and my voice just cracks right because it was kind of like a call and response thing between gilmore and waters they were kind yeah. of going back and forth right but waters yeah. is the more difficult right the more yeah right okay yeah and it's the um it, 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 Take you back to mother in a cardboard box. You better run. But it's like, take you back to mother in a yeah. cardboard box. You better run. And trying to do that with a growl. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm doing it live going, hey, like this. Like, uh. So, um, yeah. And that did really well. It, it, between that and Sexy Back, those two songs both did well. Sexy Back at one point had close to a million views. And then YouTube was sending out messages saying something about changing the algorithm and this and that and disqualifying people's views. And all of a sudden, our views on that song went down to like 100K, and now it's sitting somewhere around 250. So whatever YouTube was doing, like we, we've never paid for views or paid anybody to fake views or plays. 
but for some reason that had a load that got removed so whatever caused yeah. it to happen had nothing to do with us so now we're you know well short of what it was originally like a fourth 250 you said yeah because when i yeah. saw it, it said 56k yeah that's terrible that's terrible yeah. So it is what it is, and you know, obviously, we haven't got the money to go and fight it. <laughs> we want our views back. No, right. so. <laughs> I didn't even know something like that was possible. That's scary to even think about that. That many, you know, because for I know for me, like to have, I'm so proud when something really racks up on the views. You know, it's a really yeah, good yeah. thing, and you know, like because we we bust our ass. You know, we really do. I know you do, and to have something like that taken away, that's that's so wrong. It, it did hurt, man. Um, and, and lots of things happen like that. Like, uh, we, we kind of taking it back a few years again, Squeegee played with Lexington in Florida. We got offered a gig to come out. They said, we're going to pay you like $2,000, which, okay, unsigned band, two grand for a night, we'll take it. Even if we're driving to, to Jacksonville, Florida to play, which we did in one shot there and one shot back. But <laughs> all sorts of stuff went wrong on the way there. Like our exhaust pipe disconnected from the car and was dragging. And then we had to tie it up with a bass string to the manifold of the car, which meant all the fumes were getting into the car. And then by the time we got to Florida, we're all sick from the exhaust fumes. Um, that's only the small part of it. But we, got, we, we had booked with them a, a second show. So originally we were just playing Saturday, but we went, let's come in a day early and we'll do this other little club. And we, we took over a cover band's spot. They had their PA set up. We came in, brought our gear up, and we turned around and looked at the crowd, and it was capacity. So this little bar, which could fit like 500 people, had 1,500 people in it. And we sold the place out. We did thousands of merch that night. And the next night, we played a boxing match that Lex and Terry were hosting called Bitch Brawl. And it's 3,000 people capacity. And that sold out in an hour. And we were the house band. And we literally came home with like $7,000 in our pocket from playing two nights. For, and again, from unsigned to that. We played the Galaxy Club the next weekend to bar staff. <laughs> so when we thought, we are like, hey, we're doing good. And then nothing. Um, so that's been... It's that's so weird like that. Yeah. One big yeah. giant show and then like crickets the next time. Yeah. yeah. And quite similarly, we just released Rivethead, Rivethead, and that uh, uh, all, all Your Covers album. And I was in Little Rock, Arkansas doing work, and I started getting messages. And it was like, hey, did you know you're on XM Radio? And I was like, no. And they go, yeah, they have a show at 5 o'clock every, every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and they play a new song. And if it got, like, votes, positive votes, um, it would get put into rotation on XM Radio. And I'd heard it before because I had XM in my little Hummer I had at that point. And people were brutal, right? They'd call in and go, this song sucks. And they would drop F-bombs and stuff because you could. This is the biggest piece of crap, you know. And it, and, but it wasn't to us. When I, I go, okay, let me hear it on Tuesday because I miss Monday. And it was like, man, we love this song. Riveted's Red. I'm like, who are these people? And where were they calling before? Because they rag on everybody because they can. And we got voted into rotation. And the next thing you know, we were on Squiz. Squiz was like Octane. So that you have on Sirius, uh, we got into regular rotation and on any day. You could turn it on here, Manson, right, uh, what Rob Zombie, Tool, and Rivethead in the mix, and it was like we were one of them. And it went on for about four or five years. And Sexy Back got the same treatment. That's why um, Difference and Sexy Back have lots of views because they they both got into rotation. And um, then the merger happened, and we knew two one of two things was going to happen that either that was going to blow us up so big because all the people who had not heard us were going to hear us or we're going to get completely cut out of the picture. Guess which happened? 
<laughs> they stopped playing all the unsigned bands, period. And um, Octane took over the square spot, and we may have gotten played twice since. I mean, it's like nothing. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's something I've gotten used to as being in a band now for decades. Like, you know, the ups and downs, you kind of got to just get used to it, I guess, because there is yeah. a lot of that. You know, I noticed with some bands, like, you know, like there are anomalies like Linkin Park. I think from the moment that band started to the moment they got signed and took off, it was like maybe, what, six months? You know, yeah. like they, were, they didn't struggle for very long. You know what I mean? Like that happens sometimes, but mm-hmm. most of the time it's long and arduous and you just got to keep dredging through. But that's part of the, I don't know, it's not so glamorous at times, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. I love it. I do. No, you know, yeah. And you have to do what you love. You know, I think for a lot yeah. of us, it's a passion, you know, songwriting and playing is a passion. And you'll you'll do it with it's you and the boys at at the home studio or if, or if you're out of the club doing it and it's um that if somebody buys something or if they come out to see your show, dude, that's a it's an honor, man. It's an honor to get one person to buy a CD or a T-shirt. You know, it, uh, money's hard to come by these days. A lot of people have been struggling and um everything's so damn expensive and somebody to cough up 20 bucks for a T-shirt or ten dollars for a, I mean, who buys CDs anymore, right? They still buy right. them. It's amazing. I make all my music free. Um, All of my wild stuff that I do, like all of it's free. I just want to reach as many ears as I possibly can. I think that's the most important thing to me. I just want it to have as big of a reach as it can. Um, So, okay. So after the the self-titled and then Mm -hmm. uh, the covers, what do we move on to after that? And there's a personnel change at some point, right? Where the bass player changes. Yeah, well, we're still in the same lineup at that point. 13th Step right. is next. It's another original album. And um, that one did really well as well. We, I mean, we sold tons. And this is the point where, uh, as a band, we're recording an album. It's probably costing us four to $6,000 to do a 40-hour stint and get to, or sorry, 1,000 CDs, right? And that's what we'd do. We'd, pr- we'd have 1,000 CDs at the end of it. We'd do a big CD release show, sell them all over the place. And we'd just go play around everywhere we possibly could. And... Um, yeah, I, I still have a garage full of CDs at this point that I need to sell. There's probably have about 8,000 of them by now, all albums combined. That Now we, people buy them just to get them signed. But um, same, same lineup through that. And then if we uh, start moving forward, all your zombies, uh, sorry, uh, our zombies ate your songs. We just wanted to come up with some kind of like KRC kind of fun thing with zombies attacking a city. And I knew a comic artist who was in, I think he's in Chile somewhere in South America or something like that. And he did the album for us and it's beautiful, man. This great zombie looking thing attacking a city. Yeah, it's and a great cover. I love that thank cover. You. Thank you. We yeah. did a bunch of covers with that. And then after that album, uh, I believe it was Zero Gravity, still same lineup. And we we're still playing around town. And we got our plaque up at Curtain Club. Um, you know, we we're headlining trees. We'd gone from playing the smaller venues to, and that's the way you do it. You play smaller venues, kind of get yourself known. And then once you've kind of filled one, you can go to the bigger one, and the bigger one, and the bigger one. And at that point where we were, we could play trees at pretty much any point. Clint's like broke anybody you want. And things were really rocking at that point. Um, then we did doomsday for just doomsday for optimism, which is kind of a play on words. And um, again, really, really pressing on doing good. And then, Somewhere after that, Derek had said, like, dude, I'm just I'm just too tired. Um, he had a very strenuous day job, still does, where he does a lot of they, they what they do during the day inquires a lot of physical work basically. And his 
he was having kind of back issues. He's had two back surgeries. Um, I know he had had one that he went playing paintball and dove and broke it again. I mean, he's had all these, just, he's, he's bionic by this point, but he said, I'm, I'm stepping down. And, um, unfortunately had to let him, let him go and, and, um, sit on the sidelines. And, uh, we, you know, we, obviously he's still family. We love him to bits. Um, when he left, I made one phone call to a friend and I said, Hey, um, I know of a band looking for a bass player and I know that you're not busy right now. And I kind of described what the band was without saying it was us. And she's like, hell yeah, who is it? And I go, it's us. And so we got Laura who was in Faded Grace to come join us. And again, great bass player. Laura's energy is like second to none. A uh, mm -hmm. great player, just a, a great person, a good buddy. Love her to bits still. And she was with us for a while. Um, uh, our, our drummer at that point, Mark, had left for a job that wouldn't allow him to play, you know, the gigs that we had lined up. So we had JT, who's uh, JT had, has produced and engineered most of our albums. And also he's King Diamond sound guy. Um, oh, wow. Uh, King. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a man. And I should say Kitty because Kitty's is what he goes by. But um, uh, Kitty had recorded most of our albums and he's he's a genius. He's an incredible talented dude who plays everything under the sun and um at some point uh when mark had left we got logan to join us for a while um we had uh wayne stokely was with us for a while wayne's and uh logan's with ghoul town incredibly talented dude wayne is now with infidel he's infidel rising's drummer as well as blaze of glory and uh he's also with lillian axe right now so wayne is an incredible drummer and um who happened to go through a, a, a bit of an issue where he went blind <clears throat> and still plays every damn bit as good as you'd expect. Um, so going through all this stuff and then all of a sudden Faded Grace was getting back together and they pulled Laura back in. And so she had to step down <clears throat> and then and this is kind of trying to get it all into a quick thing. Then Mike, who had auditioned for us before, Mike Lambert, I was like, Mike, you know, we, you'd auditioned. I, I really liked you a lot. Um, would you be interested in coming and jamming? And so I had him come out and I said, look, it's just me at this point. Everybody's left. Like, yeah, oh, wow. kind of thing. Yeah. Cause everybody wow. was just too busy to live too far away. And, um, he said, well, my friend, Sam just quit his band. And so I said, well, bring him, let come on out. So we all met at our studio at universal and I told them the story of everything we kind of just went through and this is the ups and downs of what we've had. There's no guarantees, but this is what I'd like to do. If you guys are want to jump on board, let's rock this. And they were like, yeah. <laughs> so that's what awesome. we've been doing since. Yeah. And th those guys came in just before the pandemic and we suffered mm. through all of that and recorded, uh, I don't know, 30 or 40 songs during the, during the pandemic. And we're just releasing them bit by bit now. And that's the three piece lineup. That's kind of solidified now. Yes. That we're up to. Um, yeah. Going back just a little bit, I was going to comment on the cover for um, Doomsday for Optimism. Yes. Um, also a very cool cover. I was going to say, Thank any you. comment on who did that or how that one was done? Yeah, same kind of thing. I'd gone to deviantart.com and started looking for people who had artwork similar to the concept I was looking for. And the yeah. guy that I found, again, and, and he was, I think he's also south of the border somewhere, like a comic artist. And... Um, just incredibly talented dude and you can find people on deviant art and go look this is what i would like to do um you could search you know you could like uh pumpkin and then type in like evil pumpkin or something and 
find a bunch of art that looks similar to what you want and go like, I'd like to either commission this piece you have, or if you do an original for me and they'll be like, yeah, it's a hundred bucks or 200 bucks or something. You never know. Um, okay. You could, yeah. And, and they'll do some absolutely genius art. Of course, now you can get AI to do it for free, but, um, these guys were knocking out these beautiful pieces of art for us and then uh, licensing it. So we had full, you know, use or full rights to use it, uh, to use it in t-shirts and CDs and all the rest. I'm all for AI, but I do like to have the human touch on things still, mm -hmm. you know, especially with art. So that's Absolutely. cool that you actually had somebody to do it. And, um, yeah, good dudes. I like your, uh, so your latest one, um, the green, what, what's the most I, recent record called? It's isolation just because we recorded it at home. Like I recorded my guitar parts for him. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Where I'm sitting right now, I recorded uh, either in this room, I'm upstairs in my media room or downstairs in my music room, uh, just sitting in front of pro tools and the computer plugged straight into an interface. That's it. It almost kind of brought up uh, Mega Man vibes in a way, the cover. Nice. It reminded nice. me yeah. of a few, like it almost looked like one of Dr. Wiley's uh, kind of inventions. Yeah. Uh, if I might nerd out real quick, just for a minute. <laughs> oh, totally cool with that. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, we wanted to go kind of go easy. Something that would be cool in a t-shirt basically. And that's right. our t-shirt. It's perfect. Yeah. I love the concept. Yeah. It's great. Our new, our new shirts are the, that image and that image reverse. So it's either green on black or black on green. There you go. Can't go wrong with that. Right. And when that came out in 2022, right? That's when y'all did that. Yes. Yeah. Last year. And then um, now we're, uh, we we have I know something like twelve songs we have recorded but not mixed and mastered, um, including covers that we're just slowly letting go. So we just released a cover of Lana Del Rey's "Summertime Sadness" like last week. Oh and wow! We have a brand we have a brand new song coming out on June sixteenth called "The One," and um, that we've not well we played it live. So if people have come out and seen us, then they've heard it. But otherwise, no one's heard it. <laughs> oh okay okay. Um, when are you guys, uh, when are you guys playing again? Actually, I'd like to come out and see y'all sometime soon. Yeah. We've got three so gigs. Yeah. I know, dude, it has been a minute, hasn't it? I saw Jenarden, by the way, Jenarden was at our show at trees last week. So that was super cool. Getting to see him. He, he mentioned that he saw y'all. Yeah. Okay. That was at the, uh, the mad Mexican show, right? Absolutely. Another great band too, man. I mean, yeah. always, always a pleasure to play with them. Um, I, let's see. I'm thinking, okay. June 16 are playing in Tyler. Um, so that one doesn't count. Actually, that might be kind of closer, right? That's East Texas. Man, that's like 30 yeah. minutes from here. Okay, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So June 16th, we got a headline gig there, which means we get to bring up our video screens and stuff and, and show all our fun synced stuff and do our full light show, um, which is we don't often get to do it. So that's super cool. Um, and then we have July 29 at Reno's. Um and then September, way off in the distance, we have a show at O'Reilly's we're going to do with Tin Pool and Under a Spell. Um, the Reno show is going to be with uh, Perceived, um, Lo uh, Lotus Throat, which is Scar from uh, Razorblade Doll's new band. Yeah. And it's and awesome. That's going to yeah, be cool. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to playing with Scar again because, I mean, we. That was the thing, just as just as much as the Samsara Rivet Head romance happened for a long time, the Razorblade dolls thing and Rivet Head thing happened for a long time too. And doing we played plays places all over the place together and looking forward to making this happen. And and now what we need is a Thieves Lotus Throat Rivet Head show. We just practiced yesterday. 
So nice, you're, you're absolutely nice. right about that. And uh, yeah, I'd say we're closer now than we ever have been to actually getting something started. You know, like, cool. like everyone, whenever COVID and all that stuff happened, everything really slowed down for us, but we've really been picking up the pace lately. And I think nice. that something will happen this year for us as far as, cause we got, we're sitting on a record right now that we've been sitting on for a little while. And uh, man, it sounds so great. Like I'm so proud of it. Um, nice. I know it's going to see the light of day soon. We released one track. I don't know if you've heard it. Did you hear separate the one song? Uh, yeah. That we yeah. Yeah. Janarden had sent me some stuff, man. I mean, it's, Dude, anything you guys do is is incredible, man. I'm a I'm a fan. You know, I mean, even before I heard it, I knew I was gonna love it, and so it, it didn't take but five seconds ago. I'm back in the groove, man. I'm ready ready for more. Man, I, I had to uh, back in the day. I had to tell the guys in Outlet, man, I gotta go. I gotta go join Samsara. They need a bass player. <laughs> you know? Like I had to. I remember seeing Samsara and deciding right then and there, like I gotta find a way to get in this band, and I did. Yeah. You know, I, I ended up finding a way, and because uh, nice. I was blown away by those guys i always thought the the element that robert brings uh fire hazard you know with all the samples mm -hmm. and the keys like i loved that they had a guy that was just solely dedicated just to that you know yeah. i'd never been in a band yet that you know had had that yet it was all just stringed instruments drums and a mic mm -hmm. up to that point so i guess they had that other element that just kind of blew me away at the time and now it's I don't, I don't think I could do a project without having that, you know, the keyboards and the textures and yeah. I don't know. It just adds so much to it. Yeah. Oh, he's, the, he was the mad scientist, you know, <laughs> he's always, you know, he's got all yeah. the crazy things and samples going on. And yeah, it was always lots of fun to watch, man. And, he uh, you know, when clips, like great voice clips and stuff, he's really good at finding yeah. good little, perfect little snippets. Yeah. I wanted nice. to touch on before I know we're coming up on like 50 minutes right now, but I wanted to touch on, before I let you go, the uh, the five hundred and first, and and just a little touch on that a little bit about you know how that started and you know what you do with all that. And we sure, have a so mutual more... friend, by the way. Before you get started, yeah. sorry, we have a mutual friend that also does the cosplay, uh, mm -hmm. Warren Jacobson. You know, oh, Warren? nice, absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, so. cool. Yeah, and it is a small world, right? I mean, there's um, I, I I met somebody last night, and he's like you know on the five or first are you i'm like yeah absolutely and he's like dude i have so much respect for you guys and and it just it, the the name is growing so um how did i learn about it I, i'm an ordained minister and i was going to marry derek to his wife at um at reno's in deep Ellum, and it was a star wars wedding and, and they said um uh, you know i said okay if i'm gonna be the guy in charge of doing this ceremony what would you like me to do i could you know dress up as the emperor which would be really funny I could do Darth Vader. I could do a stormtrooper. And I'm saying all this, not having a clue what it all meant or what it would involve. And they're like, dude, you should do a stormtrooper. That'd be cool. And I'm like, awesome. How the heck do I do that? So you go to Google, you search and you're trying to find a good stormtrooper kit and you see stuff for a few hundred bucks. And then I found a site that said, don't buy on eBay. Don't buy anything on eBay. That site, it was whitearmor.net, which I don't really care for that name because it doesn't really sound like what it's supposed to be. It's a stormtrooper <laughs> site. White armor, get it? But white armor sounds like it should be up with the triple K beeps. And I don't want anything to do with that. So let's, let's clear that out. Whitearmor.net is about stormtrooper armor, not about a bunch of dudes going, come on, let's get the pickup truck and the fire, <laughs> light up one of them crosses over here, Bubba. But uh, so um, 
they uh i i learned this amazing organization existed called the 501st and it's uh the white armor is full of white black gay straight big small tall whatever it's everybody that could possibly be in it is in it and they are most of them wonderful people and um the 501st legion was created by people who built screen accurate stormtrooper and everything else costumes and basically went to lucasfilm and said please don't sue us we're doing it for charity we're not making money off of your um your uh protected stuff we're doing it for charity and we're blowing up your fandom which is true and the five of first just kept fandom at a high level for for 20 something years like 25 years i think and it started off by people dumpster diving and getting costumes from elm street studios in london and then doing like building stormtrooper kits but what it's grown into t today is a uh a completely legit charitable organization worldwide. There's like 30 or 40,000 people that are members of it. Obviously a huge portion of that's here in the United States and it's broken up into divisions, um, you know, by where you live and by what kind of costume you build. There's the, all the good guys are this thing called the rebel legion, which is a separate thing. All the bad guys are five of first. And then if you want to build a stormtrooper, this is where you can buy the armor. And then there's a whole forum on how to build it properly and how to strap it properly, how to make it look screen accurate. You take your picture, you send it in. If they approve you, you can do charity work. And then if you're lucky, you might get called in by Lucasfilm for um, a role on a TV show or in a commercial. Oh, so nice. I've been a stormtrooper. I've been in a commercial, not on a TV show yet, but I, I have worn my Wookiee on TV, but my Stormtrooper was on a Japanese airline commercial. Um, but we do this for Make-A-Wish. We do it for children's hospitals. The last one I did was for children's health, for heart patients. Um, so, you, you know, some of these things are really touching and it's hard not to cry with a Stormtrooper helmet on. They don't have to see you, but um, yeah, we do a lot of wonderful things. So it's... it's uh, not just cosplay it's uh, it's giving back to the community and the fandom of star wars and getting to be a part of it man that's amazing yeah. that's so cool it's fun yeah I, I, I love the cosplay uh, element of it that makes it mm -hmm. so fun and, and for the kids too that goes perfectly with it you know because it's yeah you know like what kid doesn't love star wars you know what i mean i mean it's yeah it's like the we'll change them yeah, they may not know Star Wars, but when they come out to a convention, like next weekend is Comic-Con, Fan Expo in Dallas, I'll be there in my Wookiee. They may have no idea what I am, and somebody will go, that's Chewbacca. Well, I'm not actually Chewbacca, I'm Tarful, which is a different Wookiee. They'll call me Jamaican Chewie, they'll call me Chewie's dad, whatever. But it's just, they'll, <laughs> I'm seven foot ten on stilts when I'm wearing that costume. So I've I, seen it. Yeah. Yeah, I nerd out. I nerd out looking at people in their costumes. So I, I know that it's pretty imposing looking up at that Wookiee. And um, getting to stand there and take pictures with people. And we do it for free. If people want to donate money, they can. And that goes straight up to the charity that we're working for, whatever one it, you know, is that weekend. Beautiful. That's great. Man. I wanted to also, like, I feel like we got to mention um, the the wrestling and sports angle element, too, mm -hmm. that you guys have been involved with, too, before we, before we go. We got to kind of touch on yeah. that. <clears throat> sure. So we... Um, I'm just one of those people that, man, I, I think our song should be somewhere and I'm going to try to hammer it. So I met yeah. the DJ that the, when the stars moved to Dallas, uh, Ty Webker was the DJ for the stars and the Mavericks. I got to know Ty. I gave him music. The next thing you know, we got played at stars games at reunion. Um, uh, and then going through into American Airlines Center, we, we actually got to play at American Airlines Center during a stars game and before a stars game in the building where the girls dance. Um, but That's yeah. 
yeah, through that, I've gotten to know each DJ. They've changed out. Eric was another one of the DJs, and he is now the DJ for the Cowboys, so he plays his at Cowboys games. But also, when Eric left, he had given the DJ for the Mavericks our stuff, so the Mavericks DJ played us. And um, all the way through the ranks, every time somebody swaps out. Now Groobs is the Rangers, and I had he was playing us. Um, let's see. Uh, we got uh, Shippy now is doing the stars, so he's got our stuff. And then um, not only that, but they had me do yells. So it'd be quiet during the game and you'd hear me go, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Just screaming. And they got, that got used at Stars games and it got stolen by the Phoenix Coyotes and they were using it. And I'm like, wow, man, this is really weird. <laughs> I'm watching my team playing Phoenix and my voice is on the TV. That's so cool, man. Strange. And like you said, any avenue, like I'll, I'll give you that for sure. You are so good at um, like, getting your band and your music to go through as many different like ways that you could be found, you know, like yeah, thank you. television, uh, sports, uh, nerd culture, uh, you know, just, just the scene itself, you know, deep element, all that. I mean, there was so many different ways that you branched out. I got to give you credit there on that. It's really cool. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, there's there's 50 uh, failures for every one of those successes. So it's nice to have a few just to go, well, that worked. <laughs> That's impressive. And that I'll, we'll name drop the website too, which is uh, rivetheadonline.com, right? Which is a, an awesome uh, site, actually, too. There's a that, that was a great Thank resource you. for me when kind of doing my history on you and trying to get, you know, a little bit of a little bit of background on you. Um, Thank you very much. But I think that I think that just about covers it. I think that's about all I got. So is that uh, we yeah. ran for about an hour. I think that was pretty solid, man. Yeah. Awesome, brother. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go grab a cold one and throw some stuff on the grill and finish out the weekend the way you're supposed to. And uh, man, thank you so much for having me on. I, I cannot wait for a Rivethead Thieves show. Um, let's book one next, like next week. Let's make it happen soon. Yeah, I'll soon. start pushing Denarden. And uh, um, June 16th in Tyler, right? That's it. At the um, is it the what is it called? I don't even know because it was Clicks. It's not Clicks anymore. Clicks, Clicks is gone. But it's where Clicks was. So it's that spot. Yeah. No, it's a new spot. It's like the oh. country. Is it Country River Club? That sounds country right in my River head. Club, yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay, that's it. Can and we're going to be wearing cowboy hats and boots. Yeah, I was going to say you can tell that's in East Texas by the title. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, everybody, come out. Bring your moonshine. Let's slow down. <laughs> awesome. You have yourself a good Sunday. Thanks for uh, doing this with us, man. I really appreciate it. Cheers, brother. We'll see you soon. All right. All right later, dude.